if your goal is anything other than to empower people and give them the tools, if your goal is is anything other than that, you're making them maybe dependent on you for for their information, for their for feeling good about themselves and stuff like that. that. That's the difference there. If you, if you can't empower people to go and have their best life and not need to be dependent on you for, for any of that, then you're creating unhealthy relationships for a starters. I know at best it's an unhealthy balanced relationship with codependency issues, but at worst you're creating a cult-like relationship. <laughs> Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the fantastic Johnny Ball. Johnny Ball is the host of Speaking Influence, the podcast about the psychology and application of influence and persuasion in life and business. He's a persuasive presentations coach, a professional speaker on topics like podcasting for thought leadership, ethical persuasion, and how to get your message noticed. An online coach and course creator, 12 years coaching and training with T. Harv Ecker. He's the president of a business networking club in Valencia, a leader and speaker within the Toastmasters organization, an entertaining and engaging guest with many stories and a wide range of life experience. It's said he's got a great radio voice and face, and he loves to keep things light with fun and laughter, although he can also be serious and surprisingly profound. I'm sure you'll see all of that in this episode. Enjoy. Johnny Ball, I feel like you're my new best friend. I got to ask you this question, though. What do small business owners need to focus on this week? Annie, I'm all about influence and persuasion. And I do think that people need to be building up their influence. And despite the fact that it's the end of the year, there's no time, no need to take time off. We can all be thinking about how we can be boosting that. And one of my big focuses is getting people to do that through appearing on podcasts if they're not maybe not ready to have their own podcast but they can be appearing on podcasts to do that and that's what i am encouraging business owners to look at doing as as we are doing right now that there is a wonderful world of podcasts out there that is only growing and growing and growing and still in its infancy as an industry and people need to be appearing on podcasts to grow their brand, to sell their coaching or their products or to be getting booked as a speaker or whatever it is they're looking to do, that podcasting is such a great and fun way of doing it too and important. Yes. I mean, let's not take the value out of fun, right? We talk a lot on this show about going off on your own and charting your own course and all of the entrepreneurial blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, being your own boss and carving out your lifestyle and working on your terms and whatever. But like, let's not forget that one of the main goals of doing this and taking this all on yourself should probably be to have some damn fun sometimes. And I cannot think of a more fun aspect of my job 
than this very podcast, except maybe the interviews I get to do on other people's shows. Like that's the dead tie is like, do I, and I think honestly, I might have more fun over here because we get to talk about stuff like <laughs> spoiler Buffy, but you know, I, I love that you brought up the fact that it's fun because I think we turn that down as a commodity in favor of like legitimacy and uh, you know, the bottom line. And it's like, well, sometimes we just need to have some freaking fun people. I, I don't know about you, Annie, but I, I, I struggle to listen to podcasts that are overly serious so that it's just all information, information. I mean, if it's really good stuff, I can, you know, I, I will I will grin and bear it. Right. But I much prefer podcasts that are at least entertaining on um, and doesn't need to be that people are singing and uh, dancing on podcasts. You wouldn't <laughs> know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't need to be all singing in jokes and whatever else. So it, right. it's, there's all different ways of being entertained, but so many people are, are not, and they don't bring that entertainment energy. They don't recognize the fact mm. that if you're being on podcast, which is an entertainment medium, ultimately you have to be entertaining. I love that idea. Entertainment energy. Because you're talking about influence and persuasion and all these things. And and I have learned to love all of these things. But I know that there are a whole lot of people out there that feel how I used to feel. We're being like, oh, I don't want to assert influence over other people. I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to be provocative. I don't want to poke the bear. I don't want to do any of these things. And it's like, okay, well, hold on. First off, you you have to because that's the job. Yeah. But But also this idea of... That energy of entertainment, right? If we look right now at what's happening in terms of social media trends and everything, everything right now is TikTok and freaking reels. And TikTok and reels have the educational value of a TikTok. Like they are not meant to blow your freaking minds with education. Right. They are meant to make you bop in your seat and giggle, right? Like I watched a video today of a little kid screaming while pooping. And it's the funniest thing I've seen. Did I learn anything from that? No. Did I watch it twice because it's hysterical and it's just this voiceover of this kid on the toilet? Yes. That's entertainment value. That's what my day needed. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I do feel that maybe 40, 50 plus year olds doing stupid kids dances on TikTok isn't the best <laughs> use of people's time mm -hmm. and also isn't particularly entertaining for me no. personally. Maybe no, for other but people you're else. right. That's that's not genuinely entertaining. That doesn't have entertainment value. That's just like co-opting. It has cringe. It has cringe. Cringe, which is hysterical because that's the name of my second podcast. Oh, spoilers! Second <laughs> podcast coming. Um, but you know, when we're talking about some of your favorite things like persuasion and influence, yeah, uh, much like you know, sales, that has a bit of a negative connotation to some people. It can, yeah, yeah. But obviously, it also can be an incredibly powerful, invigorating, emboldening, life-changing thing. What do you think are the misconceptions around the ideas of persuasion, influence, and and the like? Yeah, there, there are a lot. And just as much as people tend to have their misconceptions around what sales are, and, and you ask most people what they think about sales and salespeople, they get words like sleazy and yep. slimy and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, people have that around influence and persuasion as well. It's manipulation, it's mind control. 
uh, you know, those things are out there. You know, don't get me wrong. There, there is a dark side to influence and persuasion. Yes. And I do talk about that sometimes on my show, not because I want to teach people how to do it, because I want people to be aware of it so that they can right. protect themselves from it and, and recognize it when it's happening. Because 100%. one of the reasons why these things work on people is because they don't know what's going on. They're not educated in this. It's I, automatic. They're just letting yeah. it happen to them. They're not buying into it, but they're not opting out of it because it's it doesn't have the awareness. Some stuff is so covert, you, you just wouldn't necessarily know it's going on if you haven't learned what those things are. Yeah. And, and so it is useful to know that. And it's also to it's good to know about things like uh, sociopathy and psychopathy and how these people operate, which we do talk about on some shows. We've had uh, I've had cult members on my show, on my podcast before. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ex-cult members, I should say. Uh, and so we talk about we talk about you know, what got them into cults and what kept them there and, and the sort of control method- methodologies and stuff. But that is the dark side of it, and it's a small part of it because influence and persuasion is part of everyday life. Uh, and if you have people saying, "I don't want to do," influence i don't want to do persuasion it's all manipulation it's all bad stuff well well good luck being broken unknown because that is where you're gonna find yourself you have to do it and, and you're doing it anyway if you're putting out content on social media for example which a lot of people are then you are having influence in some way you're building your status to do that you're hoping you're not putting stuff out there oh i hope nobody likes this or i hope nobody clicks on it or watches it you want lots of people to watch right. it you're and that means it out for an audience y'all yeah <laughs> yeah and so you you're uh, you're having influence in terms of building your status and the level to which you are known by putting out more content by you know us appearing having podcasts or being on other people's podcasts that's what we're doing as well there's nothing nefarious to that it's nothing bad about it it's all about we have to build our status if you don't have status you're not going to be taken seriously and so you know it's very well at least it's very hard it's very hard to be heard and it's very hard to be taken seriously in life and especially in business if you don't have any status if you don't have any authority and that's what influence builds you up and if you're not persuasive in the way that you talk and present yourself then you're also going to struggle with anything like making any kind of sales in your business mm-hmm. or being able to convince somebody of an idea or that your your way or your belief that the world can be a better place and here's how how are you going to get people to take notice of any of that if you're not persuasive? So, so that's what I'm all about. For me, it's a very empowering thing to get people out there who do have good messages. There are lots of people out there who have messages and courses and programs and speeches that could change people's lives or maybe even change the world. And they just don't know how to get that stuff out there to a bigger audience. And that's what I'm all about. That's what Speaking Influence, my podcast is all about. And my work in, in my company is all about as well. I freaking love so many bits and pieces in that. And and I think, you know, this idea of manipulation, I feel like you and I get the same questions about different stuff all the time. And and for me, when I get asked about manipulation, the very first word out of my mouth is normally consent, right? Are you manipulating with consent? If I am making someone feel something, that's not a bad thing if they are on board for feeling a thing, right? So if I'm watching a TV show I love and I'm biting all of my fingernails off, I'm being manipulated, but I sat down and pushed play. I bought into that, right? And influence is the same way. If I'm watching you give a really incredible provocative speech, I'm in. 
my seatbelt's on. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to learn. I am ready to feel, right? But I feel like sometimes we lose that idea of you're not guiding people away from their wants and needs. You're guiding them toward their wants and needs. Sometimes that does have to be heavier handed than you think. And that's okay. That's totally okay as long as you're not doing shady, nefarious shit behind it. Now, you said one of my very favorite words, cults. Um, I Let's talk about podcasts. If there's a podcast about a cult, I have listened to it. Uh, if it has entertainment value, I have definitely listened to it. But, you know, one of the things for, for people that are thought leaders, which is a word that or a term that gets thrown around a lot that like all of us kind of hate but don't know what to call it. Um, <laughs> so for thought leaders, one of the things I hear all the time is like, well, I don't want to start a cult. Like, I don't want to be a cult leader. Like, I don't want all these groupies to like praise me and put me on a pedestal and but da 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 And I'm like, cool. I really don't think it's super likely that you're going to turn your life coaching school into the Manson family. But you never know, Johnny. So having interviewed <laughs> former cult members and all kinds of persuasive leaders and people that have been under the effects of that persuasion and influence, how do our listeners build influence without starting a cult? Mm. I, it all comes down to intention. And I think you've already touched on it, really. And so when when I get asked about what's the difference between ethical and unethical influence, that that's really it. It's like what what's your goal in terms of influence? Is your goal for somebody's greater good or for the greater good of the world or your community or the planet? What what is the greater good that you're aiming for there? That that is I don't think anyone would call that uh, a negative kind of manipulation if you are working towards people's benefit. But where it all gets to maybe a bit sleazy and unethical is when it's for, for you, when it's for your gain, when it's all about grabbing power or grabbing money or or both of those things or, or other stuff that's along those kinds of lines or manipulating people to get your own way to, to have power over them. You can have a cult of one person. Like an abusive relationship is a cult of one person. Absolutely. So you have to think, well, if if you take it on that scale, which is an easier way to look at it, what is the intention of that person who is controlling the other person in the relationship? It is having the control over them. Yes, to rob them them of power. Robbing them of power, playing their games with them, and sometimes toying with them intentionally and seeing how far they can go and, and not having any real conscience about it. Well, if we don't recognize that and uh, understand that that's how people work and, and that those people are, they, they have some problems, <laughs> they, have, they have some stuff going on that uh, we need to understand. That's why we need to understand psychopathy, why we need to understand narcissism and, and be able to know that there are certain ways that people operate that if you recognize those signs and signals, you should get as far away from them as you possibly can. Yes, please do. Goodbye. Right. But I think we could also take some broad strokes of like, all right, let's look at cults 101 here. Okay. Number one thing that cults do is rob you of personal power. Okay. You don't want to be a cult. Prioritize your members' personal autonomy. Yeah. Right. Number two, cults separate you from the people that love you so that you are reliant on the cult. So, you know, broad stroke number two, connect people. Make connections, build community, right? Like build community that also is not in a bottle or a bubble, right? Like broad strokes here, people. It's not that hard to not, you know, turn into the Branch Davidians. You could do it. 
you can do it. Yeah, I, I think everybody should everybody should read uh, read read up on cults and and cult mind control. There is a, a guy called Stephen Hassan who has a, an incredible book which is all about cult mind control that that explains all this stuff. He has this thing called the Bite Model, which is all about uh, behavior control, information control, thought control, emotional control, and how cults work with all those. Uh, and really good to understand. You would love it. You know, if you're interested in cults, you would. I'm ab- in. I heard it wrote it down. <laughs> That is me cookie monstering any cult material. Yeah. But for people who are in personal development or professional development or anything like that, and a lot of us are, in, in especially out of doing podcasting, whether that's our, our professional career or not, we, we're doing that in some way. If your goal is anything other than to empower people and give them the tools, if your goal is is anything other than that, you're making them maybe dependent on you for, for their information, for their for feeling good about themselves and stuff like that. that. That's the difference there. If you, if you can't empower people to go and have their best life and not need to be dependent on you for, for any of that, then you're you're creating unhealthy relationships for a starters. I know at best it's an unhealthy balanced relationship with codependency issues. But at worst, you're creating a cult-like relationship. Oh, that's just so true. It's like what and you're right it if you boil it all down if you put it in a pot and you boil it down to where it is just about to burn what's left is intention yeah right that's what's at the bottom of the pot it all comes down to intention now you mentioned another of my favorite words which other people think is a very unsexy word but i'm like ethics uh mm-hmm. i am of the opinion johnny that um cancel culture, or as I call it, consequence culture, which is a good thing, uh, is going to start coming for small businesses soon. And I think one of the things that they're going to start looking for is if people are acting with ethics and integrity. Do you Mm -hmm. see this coming to, do you agree with me? Um, Just anything about like the current trends of ethics and integrity, because I feel like vengeance is coming. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't think this is a new thing. B- businesses have been boycotted and cancelled for for as long as they've been around. You know, yeah. due to due to various things. You know that there have been uh, numerous companies like uh, there some companies that were tied in with Nazism in in World War Two uh, that uh, that have been known for that and have been called out on it since then uh, as well and and still are, but not necessarily that much happens with it. Yeah, maybe it will happen with smaller businesses too. I think there is uh, something to be careful of here. Yeah, I think there should be consequences to bad behaviors and bad actions. People care more. And this is this is a good thing, I think, generally. I think and I think there's sometimes bad consequences to good things. Like it's a good thing that people care more. People's empathy is higher generally. And they care more about where things come from or who's acting in ethical ways and things like that. These are, in my opinion, good things. Yeah. But the reactionary responses some of the time isn't where there's some where there is an often an opportunity to have a conversation and to develop things and to have an educational moment is often just drowned out by the noise of no you're by the bombast Exactly that. And, and that, that's where I have some issues with this is uh, I, I don't think it's ever a good idea. We, we never fully understand a person. We never fully understand a business. We don't know everything that's gone on or the decisions that have been made. You know, it's a whole load of things. We can't uh, reduce everything down so much when it's actually a lot more complex. 
we need to have conversations. We need to be able to open the door to discussion. Yes. And I think very often when we when we just slam down on everyone and say, right, that's it, you're done, uh, you're cancelled. There's no conversation to be had. There's no comeback. Yeah, and there's no it, dialogue. There's no learning. It's just swift justice. It's like you know the French Revolution guillotine. Like bye done and yeah and i've been i've been reading a really cool book this week um by a guy called will store called the status game uh, and and he talks about this in in, the, in that book uh, about how even in, even in that community of the cancel culture community there are people who are building their status up by you know, being virtuous as canceling people having the right kinds of thoughts and feelings and and you know if you don't have that if you're not in the group think and in the right very, uh, in alignment with everybody else, you'll get cancelled too. But the more you do that, and the more you're seen to be doing that, and maybe even seen to be active against people who don't fit in the group, mm-hmm. that you're building your status in that community, in that environment as well. And it's like, okay, so there becomes this um, egotistical side to building yourself up. That, that's just human nature, ultimately. This isn't me sort of slating anybody. These are just things yeah. that I think we need to be aware of this and and wary of it when we're in that as well. I, I think it's important that people have consequences for bad stuff that they do or say, um, but I don't think it's good to just shut down the conversation no. or to have this idea that people can't evolve and change. You know, yeah. somebody sent somebody sent out a, a, I don't know a homophobic tweet. Perhaps Kevin when Hart. They were in their Kevin teens. Hart sent out a homophobic tweet like ten years ago. And right. lots of bunch of stuff from it. Now, I am the most libby lib 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 lib, and I am half queer. I do not think he should have been canceled for something that he said 10 years ago. I think he should have been given the opportunity to say, I said something really in- insensitive and stupid 10 years ago. And since then, this is what I've learned about it. And this is why I wouldn't say the same thing today. And I apologize. Like, he didn't get the opportunity to do that because everybody was like, five alarm fire. Wah! Right. And so I think you're right. I think we need to give each other space to own up for our mistakes and so that we can actually do it well. But I think you're right. I think there is danger in not admitting that people can change. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you, hopefully, a very close to home example for me. Um, My parents didn't deal very well with me coming out. (laughs) <laughs> they okay. just didn't and uh, that was mainly due to like their religious history right. and uh, side and all that um, but over time things have got better and now they they love and accept me they love my husband and they 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 they, they love all of it and and they're so they are different people with different opinions on this they yeah. have evolved imagine if i just like no like um 20 20 odd years ago when i came out um you you weren't supporting me you're cancelled right <laughs> so seriously right in that, that? No, moment like mom realistic. and dad pass fail i came out and in this exact moment I'm going to judge the rest of our relationship for the rest of our lives based on your instantaneous impression. Well, then a lot of people are going to have irreconcilable differences with their families yeah. because because your parents are a different generation. Yeah. And they grew up differently. Also, this was 20 years ago. That was the 2000s. In the last 20 years, like all things have gone so far. It's crazy. I'm afraid everybody is going to fail a purity test at some point. Oh. Because guess what? We're not pure. We're no. not perfect. No. Absolutely not. No way. Right? We all have flaws. And when we're living life out loud in entrepreneurship, 
the skeletons are going to come out of the closet, guys, yeah. and we may as well own up to them and we may as well be willing to learn. And 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 I think also to use the platform for good and say, hey, I've made mistakes and you can make mistakes, too. But this is how we're all learning. And this is, you know, how I prioritize these things. I love this. Yeah. I, I love think it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be vulnerable. And I think that's oh, super important. Wow. It's super important in terms of building relationship and public relationship. If you can be vulnerable in public situations, yeah, even in this, like even talking about you know, things like talk, me talking about current my parents is, is a level of vulnerability mm -hmm. to, to some degree. But if we don't do that, we're not really showing people who we are. Mm -hmm. And you hear people talking about authenticity all the time. I mean, it's so overused as to be almost meaningless, but right. it really, it really is to me about having that vulnerability uh, and being willing to show people who you who you are not not everything not all of your dirty laundry but enough of you that they can actually see you're a person and they get a sense of who you depth. are and how you show up yes what depth, you stand for. substance uh meaning right yeah. truth all of those things i i just i love that idea of vulnerability especially because we're talking about influence and cults and all these things like you can assert influence in a beautiful way and be vulnerable in it simultaneously and yeah. it's just about being you're right authenticity is such a freaking buzzword but it really is just about allowing yourself to be seen wholly and within boundaries too because you're saying also it's like it's not like like let me slit my wrists and just lay here so everyone can see every dark emotion i've ever had you're not coming on this podcast and being like i came out to my parents on january 1st 20 you know 2001 and my dad said verbatim john like you're not doing that but you're no. saying when i came out to my parents it sucked that's yeah. very vulnerable Right. Yeah. Especially because you and I talked in the pre-chat, our parents listen to our podcast. So, you know, hi, Johnny's parents. Glad y'all came around. <laughs> Way to be awesome. Hi, my mom and dad. Like, you know, but but that's us. Our parents yeah. listen to our podcast because our parents are supporting us. Right. So right. oh, I feel like you and I could talk about this for just years and years and years. But I did also <laughs> bring you here with the promise. And I want to honor my promise to you because you have a very strong opinion that one show is the single greatest thing to ever happen to television. And that is a bold claim. <laughs> Johnny Ball. I stand by it. I will die on this hill. That's fine. I'm all for it. Let's die on this hill together. Take me with you, babe. Johnny <laughs> Ball, what the heck does any of this have to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well, uh, I, I think Buffy has been a big influence on my life. <laughs> To be honest oh, with you. just own it! Don't giggle. <laughs> uh, in, in, in so many ways, look, I, I just fell in love with—I fell in love with the show from the very first time I saw it. Like uh, uh, a teenage schoolgirl who kicks ass. I mean, what more could you want from from a TV show? And right. she's actually out there fight, fighting monsters. And okay, the the metaphors were wonderful in that, but also it was the the humor of it, yeah. the the whole style of it. I know that. Joss Whedon is currently cancelled, right? <laughs> well, he deserves and, it, but we can stuff. separate art from artist, right? Everybody yeah. go read Daniel Radcliffe's letter to the Trevor Project about J.K. Rowling's turf nonsense. We can separate this shit out. I, and I think I think we have to, otherwise, you know, we're, we're never going to be able to watch or see anything without without feeling guilt or right. whatever else going on for it. Right. Uh, but but all of that aside, you know, um, the the show in itself was, was just beautiful, and and the way it evolved. 
were, was wonderful as well because I, I think maybe it's the age I was at as well. I just felt like I grew up with it, and yeah. uh, and, and it reflected so much of what was going on at the time. And I think it still stands up as well as a TV show. I think oh, it's, it's still so very, good. Very watchable. Very it's watchable. so watchable. And, and, but, and being young and watching that at the same time, one of the favorite things was like, I hated Willow. And I think it was because I was <laughs> jealous of Allison Hannigan in a weird way. I was like, I hate Willow. And it's like, why? Why did I do that? Oh, because I was like a preteen teenage girl who just wanted to be like, she's nerdy and unusual and I'm nerdy and unusual. So she's my competition on television. So I hate Willow. Like, I, I, I think it probably all had to do with like Seth Green. I don't know. I don't know. But I had these strong <laughs> personal connections to the show that were so pol like so polarizing. Right. And people are like, and to this day, I see Allison Hannigan and I'm like, mm. like, I'm sorry, Allison Hannigan. <laughs> I think you're great. I think you're awesome. But to this day, I'm like, oh, Willow. Ugh. Like, why? Why? I loved her, but but not but not at first. As as the character developed, I started I started to find a lot of love for Willow, and, and she became a a, a firm favorite, especially around the time that Willow and Tara got together. You know, that was uh, wonderful. Hearts, I loved that hearts, so much. Hearts. Right, but it's like I love that it's like okay, well, I am team this or like team that. Like it was like before there was you know the Twilights and the everything else. Buffy was so good at being like I'm team Spike. No, I'm team Angel. Like okay, everybody, calm down, <laughs> chill out a little bit. But you know, one of the things if if you watch the Buffy movie, mm. oh gosh, I don't recommend it. But yeah, I don't recommend it either. What I I don't like how in that version, which came out before the show, Buffy Summers is depicted as this like airhead bimbo who like stumbles into this birthright, and she's so begrudging about it. And then you have Joss's version with the incredible Sarah Michelle Gellar, and she's this feminist young badass who's like look this is not what i signed up for but it's the card i was dealt so i may as well kick ass at it and she owns it so beautifully that she's not you know like staking people like in the movie and being like "Ugh, i wish i could go get my nails done like she's rocking that shit she is rising to her birthright and i think there's a lesson there too of like again if you are out here on your own as a small business owner you have chosen your own destiny you may as well stake some bitches with a plum right you may as well just get into that shit but when i when i say that that Buffy has influenced my life, and and I agree. Sarah Michelle Gellar is Sarah Michelle Gellar. I'm trying to say her name properly. Is incredible, <laughs> and and I loved her as Buffy. You know, she is the one true Buffy. And and uh, let's forget about. I'm not even going to say her name. The other <laughs> one from the film. <laughs> she doesn't even get a name check. Nope. You know, Trump, Trump loving whatever. Nope. And uh, <laughs> so uh, the the whole thing with that the influence of that was very real for me because you know I can I can even see it now to some degree you know how we get influenced by uh, growing up some of my biggest influences in terms of my character development were superheroes good <laughs> I was into I was into comic books I was into Spider-Man and Superman and the Flash and all that kind of stuff and I wanted to be like them and, and th there is that element when you're growing up where you want to have that level of significance and do stuff that's important and making a difference um where it came from me is that I, I don't want to be this I don't want to be the savior of the world you know yeah. I, I, I don't think i don't actually think anybody should want to or try to be that um we, we should you know, 
work on empowering ourselves and empowering other people by all means. Right. But uh, uh-uh. but if you're if you're out there trying to be someone else's savior, then I don't think that's again is is creating that dependency. It's not really an empowering situation for them. No. The real way to save people is to to empower them, and and to a great degree, I think you know, Buffy was uh, one of things that yeah she had this mission that she was regularly saving the world from destruction and stuff. <laughs> uh, she had she but the the metaphor for me was that she had the weight of the world on her shoulders, mm-hmm. and she had all these things that were expected of her and and it said a lot about about duty and responsibility to other people and and one of the things that has stayed with me from probably the most emotional episode of that that ever was where where uh spoilers for anyone hasn't watched it oh if you haven't watched buffy by now come on (laughs) y'all but the episode where she dies i think it's the end of season five Uh, and one of the things the hardest thing in this world is to live in it uh, and it's, it's absolutely true and we all know it it is hard to live in this world um but you know we, we do it and and the whole thing of like um her journey of coming back from that when she was brought back from the dead and stuff it was was very metaphorical to i think what a lot of people have now i tied that into my own journey of um when, when i first really bombed in business and and i had to come back from that it destroyed me it wanted to destroy me and i had to come back from that uh, and it's so hard to do that but we do it and 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 it ends up being our, our duty our service to other people the way that we can help and make a difference that that's what that's what kept me going that's what really is giving me giving me strength and and desire to keep going with everything is that it's still you still have the ability to make a difference you still have the ability to do good things in this world and and if you do have that then you should consider it your your duty and your responsibility to do so it's a fresh start right yeah rock bottom is a fresh start <laughs> yeah, absolutely weird. it was it was liberating in some ways as well you know sort of uh going on buffy a bit but that that experience was liberating because because the one thing i took away from that more than anything else was i survived it yeah i survived what i thought was the worst thing that could have happened to me and so now i know i can survive that i don't, I don't want to go through it again no! <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't want to have to prove that to myself again but i know i can and, and I'm not scared of it anymore. It's not your first and, rodeo, uh, as we say here in the States, Definitely right? Not. Like Definitely you've not. you've been through it. You know, I think one of the things that we talked about before with like cancel culture and letting people evolve and make mistakes. I love that we're talking about that in the context of this Buffy episode, because let's talk about redemption tales. That's right, David Boreanaz. I'm talking about you. Like, let's talk about Angel for a second. We can't talk about Buffy without at least talking about the character of Angel. Like Buffy has to come to the the opportunity where she's like, am I going to allow this being to change my perception of them or not? And it becomes like the main arc of the show. So talk to me about, talk to me about the lessons of redemption or the lessons of evolution that we've seen uh, through some of the vampiric characters on Buffy. Yeah, it, it is. It is a real lesson in that um, who who for any of us who we were maybe even five years ago, maybe even one year ago or less is not who we are now. We are in constant evolution. We are not those same people. And it, it's very hard to think about that because at, externally, we can't disassociate that always with other people. And when we look at situations externally when we look at uh, groups externally we, we tend to see them very in very sort of calcified ways or whatever we've seen before we, because we're not involved in it we're not in necessarily emotionally invested in it 
And it becomes very easy to dehumanize situations, to dehumanize people and make them more like things. Mm. So they are like these calcified objects, like statues almost, yeah. and, uh, even though they're not. But that, that's how you view them. That they can't change. That's the, the leopard can't change its spots and kind of that kind of thing. Is like, well, but people can and people do. And so that, that potential is always there. And yet we are often very judgmental of people's pasts and their behaviors because we tend to define ourselves and each other by, by what we do. But the, the reality is it, it's not really enough of a definition of who we are. Intention does matter still. Who you want to try and show up as in the world does still matter. Our actions definitely do matter and they do tell us a lot about, about who we are and how we show up. But if we don't give people the space to be able to change and to recognize that they have that evolution, there's no incentive for them to speech to stay changed there's no incentive for them to uh, keep working on improving themselves you know imagine if you get out of uh, get out of prison and no one will give you a chance right. what, what what incentive do you have oh. to to stay on to stay on a straight and narrow to try and find your your path in life if no one's even going to give you the opportunity because all they see is you're an ex-cop oh my god johnny okay you don't know this about me but you just hit like my biggest trigger in the world so i am really lucky to sit on the board of a uh amazing company here in illinois that's also nation uh, not nationwide but several locations in the u.s called defy ventures and defy ventures provides entrepreneurial education to the formerly incarcerated for the that exact reason. I don't care what you did. If you did the most minor shit in the world, especially if you're a person of color, like stuff I could get away with as a white woman, and you get carted off to wherever, you are supposed to have come out of there having your debt to society paid. But that is not how it works. When you apply for a job, you have to say whether or not you've ever been incarcerated. We're trying to ban the box, right? That right there says your past matters more than your future. And that cannot happen. We are robbing people of the ability to evolve. So number one right now, everybody, please go look at defyventures.org. They're doing really incredible stuff. You will never meet a harder hustler than someone who's been on the inside. And most of the reason why they were on the inside is the same hardship that you and I face just to a different level. But I love that you brought that up because it's a hundred percent true. When we rob people of all opportunity and then hold them to the standard of rebelling against it, that, that's not going to work. Like that's not going to freaking work. And, and so I think one it's of the things we system. can do yeah. in, in looking at incarceration or, or not, I think one thing that we can also be doing in our own presence and how we're showing up is we can pull people up along with us, right? We can say, I'm going, I'm upwardly mobile. I am making something of my life. I am taking a stand. I am charging forward. But you can also have a hand next to you and you can pull people with you and say, look, we're we're all going to evolve together because there's room at the top for all of us. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to have a little rant about the formerly incarcerated. I'm glad. That's, that's really wonderful to hear about as well. And I love yeah. the sound of, of what that uh, of what that company is doing. It sounds amazing. It's a blessing. It, it, it really is a blessing. Um, because it also reminds me on a near daily basis that the bitchy, annoying parts of my job are things that I get to do, not things that I have to do. And that even right. the parts of my job that drive me crazy are a privilege and something that I signed up for myself. So I probably yeah. shouldn't bitch so much when I 
not only have had so many opportunities handed to me, I'm actively going out and making more opportunities for myself. I may as well take others along. So thank you for allowing me to divert into no, all of that. I, but I you know, it's, that's it's, Buffy. It's a big guy. That's Buffy. <laughs> Buffy is the great equalizer. Buffy, opportunity for all with her badass feminist stake-wielding self. There, there were many opportunities or many examples in Buffy of times where she saw beyond... Uh, so, so beyond the surface, yep, and uh, and so and also, also sometimes saw that um, being beautiful doesn't necessarily mean being good either, and, uh. you know, we had a lot, <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean an easy life. You know, there there was a lot of subtext all the time. It was really wonderful in terms of being uh, just a having varying opinions and and just saying maybe we are too judgmental all the time and we shouldn't be thinking um black and white all the time it was a lot more nuanced than that which was one of the one of the reasons why why i loved it and and that's one of the things i really care about is helping people to overcome this black and white thinking helping people to understand uh, it tied in with influence and persuasion stuff is things like critical thinking skills and logical fallacies which i think people should educate themselves on and cognitive biases and all these kinds of things that that can help us to clean up our thinking mm. and, and sometimes even ju- even just by asking or, or reminding ourselves that i don't know the full picture of this person i like, i only see one one part of somebody's life when I meet them I do not have a full picture here even just reminding ourselves of that at least opens us up to be less judgmental in those situations and to to hopefully be a bit more open to not making those snap judgments not locking people into our boxes because we like mentally to take the easy route our minds like to be lazy and so compartmentalizing people is our natural tendency but would you like that? Are you one thing? Are you just oh, one yes. thing? Oh, yes. I am very vapid and flat and stale, <laughs> like very WYSIWYG. Like, come on, Walt Whitman. Yeah, exactly. I contain multitudes. I sound my barbaric yawp. Like, come on. We are all onions. We got layers. Yeah. Uh, but I love, I don't know the full picture of this person. I think that is a phrase you can say to yourself so many times in day-to-day business, in customer service issues, certainly in selling issues. Uh, when you're out networking and it's awkward, you don't know the full picture of this person. When somebody yeah. comes to you for a podcast swap, great, awesome. I'm going to read their bio, but am I going to judge it based on their bio or am I going to try to go find an interview with that person? I don't know the full picture of this person. And I think that just keeps us curious. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, ideally. Um, I am so grateful that we got to have this conversation today. I have two more questions for you. Okay. One is we are adopting a new title for you and you are going to be known as Johnny Ball, the blank slayer. What are you slaying and what weapon are you using? Oh, um, Johnny Ball, the, can I have two words or does that have to be one? Hell yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ball, the bad thinking slayer. The bad thinking slayer. I love it. And what's your weapon? very catchy but uh my my weapon is my razor sharp tongue (laughs) now that's fabulous put that on a business card right slaying bad thinking with razor sharp tongue i love it (laughs) i love it uh well i don't want joss whedon to direct it because you know reasons but let's give it to like shonda rhymes okay yeah yeah love her or like, you know, who, who there's plenty of really great people. But like right now, Shauna can kind of do no wrong. And I think after Bridgerton, she could use something like violent. So 
<laughs> you know, Netflix. I'm hey, how about Sarah Michelle Gellar? I mean, she would be the oh perfect God, person to yes! direct it, right? <gasps> I didn't even think of that. With side production. Alison Hannigan as co-director. Yes. Oh, I can, you know, I, I let's make Alison Hannigan some money to to deal with my 20 years of vendetta <laughs> against that poor darling ginger angel. I'm sorry, Alison Hannigan. I'm sorry. Yes, Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, co-produced maybe by her 90s heartthrob husband, Freddie Fritz Jr. Yes, please. Uh, if they ever break up, I might die. <laughs> I, I i hope they never do though because they're so cute <laughs> i mean they're the dream of the 90s and they aughts are. like they in really a couple well you my dear have been a dream guest i got one more question for you what is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation with your beautiful razor sharp tongue <laughs> right it won't be razor sharp to you I, i'm i'm lovely and warm and cuddly really uh, <laughs> Come and find me at presentinfluence.com. You can find all my social media links there. I, I hang out on Twitter and LinkedIn quite a lot. But uh, presentinfluence.com, you can take my quiz about whether you should start a podcast or not or find out how influential you are. You can download my free ebook for making money from podcasts without even having your own podcast. But it's a great place to start getting into my world of influence and persuasion and start some conversations. And tell us about your own show. My show is called Speaking Influence, and, and it is all about the world of influence and persuasion. And we, we discuss some of that. It's about the good and the bad, mostly the good stuff. And so I will have a lot of people like storytellers, speech writers, professional speakers, uh, comedians, uh, rhetoricians, all sorts of people. I've even had people from the Secret Service, and uh, you know, I've got body language. Well, we talked about the cultists on. already. So, <laughs> yeah, I see. So, it's a wide variety of guests, but we're all talking about influence and persuasion, about being able to present yourself well, build your influence, increase your persuasion skills ethically, and uh, to avoid the unethical stuff. And so, uh, come and improve your ethical influence and persuasion skills with speaking influence. Ugh. Well, I can't wait to binge the ever-loving crap out of your show. Listeners, if you want to do the same and like book club it, just DM me on Instagram and we'll do it together. Johnny Ball, you are a gem and a treat. Thank you so much for being here today. It has been as much fun as I thought it was going to be. In fact, more. In fact, more. I love meeting expectations. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. Now you know how to not start a cult. Never a dull moment here on TLTQ. But here's why I think even zany-ass topics like this are important. I listen to heart-centered business owners all day long, most of whom are serving, serving, serving all day, but closer to burnout than overnight success. And time and time again, I've heard people's concerns that they don't want to be manipulative, that they don't want to look like a wannabe guru, and heaven forbid their communities explode, they don't want to be labeled as a click at best or cult at worst. And so they do what so many dreamers and visionaries do in the face of controversy. They make themselves small and keep their mouths shut. Here's my problem with this. Assholes do not get imposter syndrome. I've said it before and I'll say it again. 
assholes do not pace and panic about how they will be perceived. They just do and expect the world to be grateful. So in a way, it comes off confident. Selfish people do not lose sleep over their selfishness, their rates, their no cancellation policies, whatever it may be. They cash their checks and brag about them in Facebook ads. Only wonderful people muzzle themselves in the name of being pure and blameless. Only borderline saints concern themselves so greatly with how their message will be received that they choose not to share it at all. So if you are about to take a big leap like pressing record on that podcast or video, applying for a grant or gig, or following up with a questioning prospect, and you have a big flare of nerves, great! A, you're human. B, you're not a psychopath. And C, your heart is in the exact right place of service. You care. And that caring alone is a highly competitive tool if you allow it to be. Your homework this week is to look at where you are censoring yourself or playing small. If there's a myth in your industry you haven't busted, Ooh, this is your week. If there's a soapbox that needs your voice, hop on up and start telling us the truth. If your competitors are doing something unethical or just incomplete, now is the time to take that stand. Now listen, you do not need to demean others, name names, or throw blame around. That is not a good look. Keep it positive. Keep it constructive. But get vocal. Pour your heart into your platform this week and see where it takes you. Don't forget to check your website and email campaigns for safe language that can be jazzed up. And for extra bonus points, find a great podcast to guest on. There are literally millions of shows out there. Some of them must be waiting for a voice like yours. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who help make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit. (laughs) 